Hi, this is John from Prodigal Church. We want to thank you for listening to this week's teaching. The best way to watch and listen is through our Prodigal mobile app, available at your app store. We hope you are moved to love God and others in a greater way. Now, let's dive right into this week's teaching. We want to welcome Eric Ari and his family to Prodigal Church. Hiring in the middle of a global pandemic is a unique process and a unique challenge, but we really do sense that God has brought the Ari family to us and us to them, and we're really excited about the future. Uh, we're also excited about next week. Prodigal Church turns three years old, and so we are so excited to celebrate together. We want to let you know that we've got a great outdoor event planned, but if the air quality um, continues to stay unhealthy, we will be making some changes, and so we'll keep you posted via social media as well as on the Prodigal app. And then lastly, tonight, 6 p.m. is our vision night for the fall, and we would love to have you come. This is something we do twice a year, and we are doing it all online uh, via Zoom. Uh, and so the link is in your app under events, and uh, you can also DM us online to find the Zoom link. So we can't wait to see you there as we cast vision for this new season here at Prodigal Church. Um, and obviously part of that is this new Jesus for President sermon series that's happening. Um, next week at our birthday event, you can also uh, pick up your yard sign. And so uh, it's going to be a great, great thing. Great series. A lot of work and time and effort has been put into it. And we can't wait um, to vote for Jesus by how we live and by how we love here in 2020. Uh, this is uh, the last of our Sermon on the Mount sermon series. And uh, we have just loved traveling through this together. And we hope that maybe you are also been reading uh, the passages of scripture in our uh, prodigal app as well. But uh, Jesus addresses prayer kind of throughout the Sermon on the Mount. And he does so here in chapter seven. Uh, when it comes to prayer, have you ever prayed for something and kept praying and you didn't give up, and still after all of your effort, after all of your longing, there appeared to be no answer. I want to assure you that this is a common experience. God is not intentionally singling you out by not answering your prayer requests. God is present and attentive regardless of whether he grants your request or not. But they're not easy moments, right? Uh, because in our minds and in our hearts, there is absolutely no good reason why God doesn't answer our prayers. It's almost mean that he doesn't answer our prayers, right? There have been lots of moments like this for me, and I'm convinced that there have been lots of moments like this for every person who follows God. Times when no matter how much we pray, God's not giving us what we're asking for. What if prayer is not a tool for getting but rather is a means of becoming. If I am on a tiny rowboat stranded at sea for days and I finally see an island and the, it's a, I'm, I'm getting up close to the beach full of sand, if I throw out the boat hook and sink it to the shore and pull, do I pull the shore to me or do I pull myself to the shore? And this is a picture of prayer. Prayer is not pulling God to my will, but a, the aligning of my will to God's. When we are praying for transformation, the act of, the very act 
of laying it before God is itself transformative. But let's dive deeper into prayer by turning our Bibles to Matthew chapter 7, the Sermon on the Mount. Let's finish this together. It says this in verses 7 and 8. Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. What a promise. What assurance that we have that God is good. Whatever we ask, he's going to give it. Is that really what the passage is saying? Ask, seek, knock. God will answer. God will be found. The door will be opened. It's a difficult promise to believe. And I think sometimes our failure to believe such promises and to act on these promises doesn't come so much from a failure of our faith in God, but rather from a natural human reluctance. Maybe we were taught when we were little uh, not to go on asking for things all the time. Don't ask me again. Maybe it's too long ago for us to remember, but I suspect that many of us have this internal reluctance when it comes to asking for things. We might say, well, it was selfish, or God has better things to do than answer these measly little prayer requests. I often have this internal reluctance, and it manifests very often in a restaurant. Sarah and I, when we are, go out to dinner, when we go um, out to lunch, they would, the, the, the staff would give us a, a menu, and I know what I want. I'm a simple man. I get the same thing at whatever restaurant I'm at. Meat, potatoes, very simple. My wife then, she begins to read the menu out loud to me. And I'm not listening because, like I said, I already know what I want. And she says to me, which do you think sounds better? And I'm like, I don't know. I, I'm getting this. You order whatever you want. And then she says, but I want your opinion. And that question, it doesn't even make sense to me, okay? It doesn't even make sense to guys. You want my opinion on what sounds good to you. And then the waiter shows up. I order. And then he looks at Sarah, who's deep in thought, like she's solving a big calculus problem. And then she takes things a step further. She asks then the waiter, what do you like better, the pasta fajol or the minestrone? She wants the waiter's opinion. Now then the orders come back. Mine's wrong. I like things a little bit more well done, medium well, but my steak is so rare that it's, it's moving. Okay, so now I, now I have this internal reluctance inside of me to ask them to cook it a little bit more. But I do. I, I send it back so that they can cook it a little bit longer because the, the, the steak just mooed at me. Okay, it's still alive. And then it comes back 10 minutes later and now my cow is dead, but just barely. It's still really rare, too rare for my taste. Now this internal reluctance comes back again. It's at the forefront of my conscience, but I have made a decision. I'm not going to ask them to do it again. I'm not gonna send it back one more time. No, I'd rather eat a rare steak than to ask them to cook it even more. So when the waiter comes back and I'm, I'm chewing the steak like it's a piece of gum, and they say, how's your steak now, sir? And I say, it's great. It wasn't, but something held me back. You see, I'll ask once, but more than that, it's almost rude. And this is how we sometimes feel with God. I've asked him, I've asked him more than once, 
And as time goes on, this internal reluctance creeps up. I'm not going to ask again. Sometimes we stop praying after a season and Jesus says, don't stop. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. It's going to happen. Of course these verses can be abused, right? We, of course we can ask for wildly extravagant, inappropriate things. Oh Lord, I would really like a million dollars. And you said if I ask, if I seek, if I knock, you're going to give it to me. So where's my cash? No, 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 no. Jim Carrey said this, I wish that everyone could have everything that they've ever wanted so they could see that that's not the answer. May the Lord lead us to pray for the right kinds of things, not the wrong kinds of things. And actually later on in the scriptures, Jesus' brother James writes some warnings about asking for the wrong sorts of things. And for most of us, the problem isn't that we are too eager to ask for the wrong things. The problem is that we aren't eager enough to ask for the right things. We're not eager enough to ask for the right things. We knocked once, we stopped, we knocked for a week, then we stopped. And, and notice this ask, seek, knock thing, it's not passive. Okay? The, the New Testament was originally written in Greek, in the Greek language. And there are two basic kinds of imperatives in the Greek text. The aorist imperative, it's a command to do one particular thing at one particular time. Okay, that's aorist. Then there's the present imperative. And it's a command not only to do th something once, but to go on doing it indefinitely. So if I were to say to a person driving a car, stop at that light, stop is in the aorist imperative. Okay, stop. It's a one-time thing. However, if I said, don't forget, always stop at red lights, stop would be then in the present imperative. It would refer to something being done repeatedly. And this is the kind of imperative in Matthew chapter 7 in the Sermon on the Mount. Ask, seek, knock are in the present tense imperative. The command is to pray repeatedly and not stop. It is a continuous action. So whatever is behind your internal reluctance, move past it and persist in prayer. It makes a difference whether you see it or not. Uh, psychologists at Stanford University once tried to show that we live for productive results. And the researcher hired a logger and said, I'll pay you double what you get paid at your logging camp if you just take the blunt end of your ax and you just pound this log all day. You never have to cut one piece of wood. Just take the, the, the blunt end of the ax and just hit it as hard as you can as if you were logging. After three hours, the man quit. The psychologist said, why did you quit? And the logger said, because every time I move an ax, I have to see the chips fly. If I don't see the chips fly, it's no fun. It's maddening. Listen, as you pray, the chips fly. You just don't see the results all the time. You are not hitting with the blunt side of the ax. You are making a difference in the heavenly realms. You're breaking down strongholds and God is changing you in the process. That thing that you've been praying about for so long, keep going, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, don't stop. Philosopher Pete Rollins uh, describes these verbs as not just in the present imperative, but also in the present continuous sense. 
All these verbs are in the present continuous tense by which the seeking is the finding, the asking is the receiving, and the knocking is the opening. These are not two distinct events, but rather occur at one and the same time. Just as time and space are not distinct from each other, neither are asking and receiving. Let me put it this way. This is not desire for transformation. This is transformative desire. Can you see the difference? I'm not simply desiring God to bring transformation to my life. It's the desiring is, is what also happens to bring about the transformation. Transformative desire rather than desiring transformation. The means is also the end. This is what it is like to follow Jesus. It's in following him that we come to act more like him. It is in following Christ that we become more Christ-like. Here's one practical application for Matthew 7. When praying for God to move, pursue God with increasing intensity. Notice it's ask, seek, knock. There is a progression in these three actions that emphasizes this principle of persistence, right? See, with each command, there is an increasing intensity in the action and more effort is required to carry out the action, right? Let's suppose that you wanted to ask your boss for a raise. And so one day, you're out to lunch together and you say, hey boss, can I have a raise? That's asking, okay? But let's say that your boss actually works at a different location and you haven't seen him in a while. So in that case, you have to take it to the next level. You have to seek him out so that you can ask for that raise. And let's say that when you finally locate your boss, he's in an office when the door is closed. Well, then you have to take it to the next level once again and now you have to knock on the door before you can ask for a raise. Obviously, in order to proceed from one level to the next, you have to be more and more persistent. It's less about seeking the gift and more about seeking the giver. That's a question that we should ponder as we continue to pray for certain things in our lives. Are we seeking the gift more than we're seeking the giver? This is how Jesus ends the Sermon on the Mount. Verse 24, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice as like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Did you notice how Jesus ended the greatest sermon ever told? He didn't end it with deep theological concepts. He didn't end it the way he started it. He didn't end it with an amazing closing prayer. He ended it with, do something. Do something. Put these words into practice. 
Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. This past week, I had the privilege to spend time with four uh, theologians. I was the cameraman and we were recording some pretty cool stuff for our Jesus for President sermon series that's coming up at the end of the month. And no joke, these theologians are known throughout the world, okay? They're authors, they're scholars, they're amazing men and women of God. And I have been deeply influenced by them and their thinking. And they have read more books than any of us can count. They have wrestled with the deepest questions about God, the Bible, and life. But you know what the, what the best and most theological question of all is? Listen, the greatest and most significant theological question any of us can ever ask is, so what? So what? God is holy. So what? God is love. So what? If God is love, if that doesn't move you to live in greater love, then so what? And this is what Jesus is saying at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Yes, I just gave you my manifesto. I just gave you the Jesus manifesto on how to live and the kind of character that should radiate from Christ's followers. And you know how he ends the sermon? So what? Do something. It means nothing if you hear these words of mine and do not put them into practice. A woman dreamed that she wandered into a shop at the mall and she found Jesus behind the counter. And Jesus said, you can have anything your heart desires. And astounded but pleased, the woman asked for peace, joy, happiness, wisdom, and freedom from fear. And then she added, not just for me, but for the entire earth as well. Jesus smiled and said, I think you misunderstood me. We don't sell fruits, we sell seeds. As we plant the seeds of God into the soil of our lives and our communities and our churches and our neighborhoods, it spreads to the world. As we pursue Jesus and apply his teachings, we are changed. My encouragement to you, wherever you are, if you're driving your car, if you're on a run, if you're watching from your living room, pursue God with an ever-increasing intensity. Pray through your internal reluctance. Pursue the giver, not just the gift. Know and trust that God is good. And as you do these things, you too will be transformed. God, we thank you so much for the teachings of Jesus, the life and example of Jesus. God, we pray in Jesus' name that we would be changed and we would act out, that we would live differently because of your teachings, because of what you have done for us. We pray, God, that we would apply these words to our lives, that it wouldn't just be, oh, that was a good series, that was a good service, but God, that we would actually intently live differently because of your word. May we build our house on your foundation, on the rock. We need you, Jesus. We love you. We lift you up. In Jesus' name, amen.